Hey, Trojan fans, welcome to the Armchair Quarterback Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. This has been our weekly podcast we started this season where we talk to former USC football players, and we have Shane Foley coming on uh, the first segment of the show. We're going to have Lawrence Jackson returning again, former USC defensive end and first-round draft pick, coming on a little bit later on in the show in the second segment. We're going to talk about USC's win over Cal and, of course, the big game coming up this weekend. Against Stanford. What's going on with Shane? Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Thanks for the intro. I like that first round pick uh, ring to it with uh, Lojack, man. So, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Good, good, good to be back on. And uh, yeah, let's let's get to it. That was not meant at a slight at you, Shane. You were, you were not a first round. <laughs> That's okay, man. First round is first round. The Trojan family, all good. <laughs> Sweet. Now, if you want to um, follow Shane Foley on Twitter, you can follow him Shane Foley underscore USC. Or you can go to ShaneFoley.com. You can also find him on Facebook at Shane Foley. And uh, Foley Report, I, I get word, is coming out pretty soon, Shane, with a preview of Sanford. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we got uh, Foley Report's going to be coming out uh, tonight. It'll be dropping uh, on all the social media uh, segments here probably in about an hour. And so, yeah, just kind of doing the Stanford preview. And obviously we can uh, talk about that matchup coming up Saturday. Big, big game. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot, to, a lot to talk about from last week as well. Yeah, so I, I will. I we don't want to dwell on the uh, the game up there in Berkeley, but I you know, wanted to get your your thoughts on some of the major storylines that that came out of that one. Obviously, a big win, an impressive win, putting up a lot of points. I'm sure, as a former quarterback, you don't mind seeing uh, 62 points go up on the board. Well, yeah, I think anytime you're scoring 62 for your team, it's a it's a big big win, big game, and uh, you know, a big game. I think to get a lot of guys in playing time in real time. You know, not just at the very end of the game taking a knee, but uh, getting Wittick back out there to to get some meaningful snaps in the, in the third quarter. And you never know when you're going to need to call on a guy like that. So I think those guys getting defensive backs, I mean, I counted. I was up there uh, at the game, my wife and I, and uh, counted like five true freshmen on the field uh, at one time on, on the defense watching those guys play. So, you know, excited for the younger guys, excited for guys to get opportunities. But, uh, you know, clearly uh, scoring 62 points and getting a lot of confidence going into this game and uh, getting a little bit of a swagger. And certainly don't mind as a quarterback, uh, we don't mind seeing uh, a punt returner uh, like Aguilar take a, a couple punts back and obviously that uh, punt block by Vanuku and uh, run back by Shaw. That's always, uh, <laughs> that's always a good thing if you're a quarterback as well. Yeah, you you love to see those extra yards or not even yards scores when you don't even have to. Yeah, it's not even like set, well, maybe you'd rather have get set up at the one or something, but still not bad when they score. <laughs> yeah, I think you know as a team guy, and I know Kessler is. I know these guys are, and it's just all about uh, finding ways to win football games. So they're playing together, but you know I think that's really the approach that uh, Coach O is has really brought to this football team. And so getting guys to play together, whether they're getting it done on offense, defense, or special teams, it's a collective collective effort. Uh, one team, one heartbeat. That's been the mantra, and that's uh, really kind of playing itself out right now. So exciting to see. However, we're getting it done, and 62 points, uh, you know, was a, a great game going into a huge matchup against Stanford on Saturday. Now, Cal's not the the best team in the world, not a world beater, but you still put up a lot of points, and I think that's that's an impressive thing. Have, have you noticed a difference because USC did? You know, there was a couple of games there where there was like no tight ends. There was two scholarship wide receivers and both of the guys get hurt in the same game. A lot of walk-ons needed to play a lot of holes uh, in the skill position players there, but now it's, you know, things are a little better. You, you, you've, they're using uh, 
Nathan Gertler as like a, a blocking tight end. It basically comes in there right. as a sixth offensive lineman. So I think that's been stable at least the last couple of games. We've seen some Xavier, Xavier Grimble and Jalen Cope Fitzpatrick. Five wide receivers were essentially healthy for the game. Have you noticed a difference in the offense now that there's more bodies that are able and kind of out there able to play? Well, I have. I think it's just a, a maturity that you're starting to see with the team. And, and obviously it's taken a while with the transition midseason, with the coaching change, for a team to find their identity. And, and clearly I think you've seen it play itself out. I think Kessler's gotten more confident as time's gone on. Uh, you know, I think in the Fuller Report, I've, you know, I've included the last two weeks, he's been 32 of 38. Uh, we talked about the ugly interception uh, to, go to Oregon State, and they bounced back very well from that. Took uh, really took command of that football game up at Reeser at Oregon State. Then this week too, you know, they they came back and you know obviously it wasn't a tie score, but 28-14 kind of closed the gap. And and uh, the nice thing about Coach Helton and Cody Kessler is you know we're not really going into a shell when uh, when a team kind of answers the bell and uh, starts to come back a little bit. I think USC and the play calling as well as executions carried out and really uh, showed confidence and. And really a lot of confidence in the guys to execute to the game plan. So that's been good to see. And I think running the ball, the mix-up, as you know, moving Turk over to right tackle, and Kevin Graff returned this week. But it was was happy to see, you know, a lot of continuity. There was some good movement up front. I think uh, we're still seeing we're still seeing a lot of aggression, more so than we did uh, early in the season. Uh, with the offensive line. You know, there are times when they uh, are a little bit high. Uh, they tend to big, tall guys. We have a big, tall offensive line. I've talked a lot about that during the course of the year. But, you know, these guys get low, really drive, blocking, and uh, playing well and communicating together. I think that's made a big difference as well. So I think, uh, you know, you're just starting to see all these things come into uh, play. Nelson Aguilar, I talked a lot about uh, the balance uh, early on in the season, we saw a very heavy emphasis getting the ball to Marquise Lee under under Kiffin. Um, since uh, his departure, I think we just we see a lot of uh, movement to different players. I mean, you know, clearly, you're, you know, early in the season, we saw Trey Madden getting the long ball in the seam, you know, getting downfield. We're seeing more screen passes, which is a great uh, a great attack and a great system to play against an aggressive defensive uh, front seven that's really getting upfield and really uh, rushing the passer hard. Screenplay the last couple weeks has been very, very effective. The execution on them has been great. So I think you're starting to see all of that. And uh, the distribution of the football, you know, nine guys got passes, 13 guys. Uh, just at all levels, uh, obviously they use Marquise Lee sparingly and need him to be at full strength against Tamper. But, you know, Aguilar, Grimble caught three passes, Fournoy catching three, Darius Rogers. So, you know, you just see a lot of, uh, a lot more balance. Um, the the fullbacks uh, clearly are catching the ball better this year. Vanuku has been just such a gamer this year in all phases of the game on coverage as well as, you know, blocking on returns. Uh, obviously, he uh, blocked that punt uh, in the first half, and just catching the ball out of the backfield. So he's been uh, he's been a so all right. It's just you're starting to really see the personality come through with the football team and more confidence. Looser, uh, fun, which I think Coach O has really emphasized, and uh, you're starting to see that play out on the football. All right, so that's the the cow recap. But we want to obviously look ahead. The big game against Stanford coming up this weekend. USC will be hosting game day, and the game day will actually be on campus, which is kind of a, an interesting yeah. aspect. And you know, having students try to wake up at six in the morning and go over to the Coliseum—not always easy, but at least you know, going to campus it might be a little easier for them. But yeah, what 
Initial thoughts here, USC versus Stanford, Shane. Well, you know, it's just it's a huge game, a uh, huge game. You've got not only uh, game day there, but you've got homecoming uh, back at uh, uh, on campus this year as well. And so uh, big events. You've got homecoming there. You've got college game day, which is a huge attraction, as you said, coming back over and on campus for the first time. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, a lot of media attention is now starting to pick up a little bit. I mean, I picked up the LA Times this morning and uh, – you know, uh, UCLA and Miles Jack, you know, certainly a great story over there. It was a cover story, and, and uh, USC was buried back on the seventh page of the LA Times. So, <laughs> anyway, it just seems like, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot riding on this game for both teams. Stanford's really, I think, developed into the big bad bully from the north. I mean, they've, you know, beat SC four straight years, um, starting with the first, uh, you know, your painful year, obviously 2009, the What's Your Deal game, the 55-21 with Harbaugh going for two, then the third quarter of that game that really started that streak. And so then they've won three after that, and so four straight. So it's a big, big game. You know, obviously the last time they were, they were here, the triple overtime loss was a heartbreaker. Great football game if you were just a, you know, a football fan and not partial to either team. But, you know, Andrew Luck uh, and, and Barkley, you know, playing toe-to-toe in that game. And it was a heck of a game. So, you know, watching those guys and what they did to Oregon last week, last Thursday, they just beat them up straight, plain and simple. I mean, they line up in the trenches toe-to-toe, you know, hand-to-hand combat, and these guys just go off and get it done. And they run a lot of unbalanced lines. They bring uh, seven, eight guys, you know, up front, uh, eight-man, you know, blocking unbalanced lines, and and they'll just run it at you. I mean, Oregon could have lined up 30 guys uh, (laughs) on the defensive side of the ball, and they still couldn't stop them. And so (laughs) that's going to be a challenge, I think, playing with these guys for four quarters. Uh, We talked a little bit before we got on the call, as you know, about Leonard Williams, you know, coming back. We have to have him healthy. He's got to be hopefully as close to full strength as possible. And, uh, you know, Antoine Woods and George Uko, you know, those guys played well against Cal. They're going to have to continue that and uh, low leverage, low center of gravity and, uh, you know, really uh, lock it down. We run a lot of four two five, as you know, against spread offenses like Cal. Uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, the 5-2, you know, more traditional three interior guys and then our two guys on the ends playing and uh, going to have to have, you know, our defensive backs, uh, you know, coming up and playing strong physical football. So, you know, they uh, Kevin Hogan does a nice job. He moves in the pocket well. He takes what the defense gives you, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, decent with his feet. He'll run upfield, uh, pick up first downs, you know, uh, five, seven, ten yards. So he can be very effective and efficient uh, getting uh, the job done. So we're going to have to find ways to – to move the ball to not uh, because of the lack of depth that we have to keep our defense as fresh as possible by converting third downs. We've converted uh, 56% basically of our third downs in the last game, five and nine. The week before, we converted uh, 50% of our third down conversions. So much, much improved, especially on the road. Uh, the last couple games from what we've been averaging, you know, 27, 28% prior to those two games. So definite upgrade, have to win the turnover battle, and uh, have to going to have to play physical for four quarters. So it's going to be a huge, huge matchup. And, uh, you know, just on that front too, you know, we're going to have to, as I said, win the turnover battle, but find ways to, you know, get the ball out of, the, out of our hand into, um, you know, into those receivers. You know, Marquise Lee and Aguilar really, I think, went healthy, probably uh, the best, or certainly among the best uh, dynamic duos in the country. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has had a lot of success, as we know, in the last uh, couple of weeks and has done a great job. So those guys are going to have – we're going to have to find ways to get those guys the ball, and hopefully Trey Madden will be healthy. Um, Buck Allen, what can you say about him? He's just been tremendous. So hopefully we'll just uh, get healthy and uh, 
really be able to go toe to toe with these guys for four quarters. Um, are you are you a believer in like the matchups and you know you've played and you, you've seen this stuff before? Oregon's obviously a really talented team. For whatever reason, the matchup with Stanford just seems to be a tough one for them, where they can destroy a team one week and 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 get beat by Stanford the next. That, obviously, Stanford's a really good team, but it just seems like what Stanford right. does, it's a tougher matchup. And it even seems to see that you know USC's played Stanford close the last three years, even though they lost, but they've been really close games, you know, one score games. It seems like USC matches up pretty well with a team that kind of mimics them as far as you know power game and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's a great question, Ryan. I think, yeah, I definitely believe in matchups. And I don't care if it's football or boxing or whatever sport. You know, teams just have that matchup situation. In Oregon, Stanford's got the recipe to beat the spread, and they know how to do it. They play on their side of the line of scrimmage. They attack uh, the perimeter. you know, basically the defensive ends are pushing uh, their guys upfield, and uh, they load the box and take away the run. Really, there was no threat with Oregon running the football because they just locked it down. Shane Scove played a heck of a ball game. You know, you had these guys really covering a lot of ground, and that is with without their, you know, really their kind of their leader on the defensive front, Ben Gardner, being out for the season. It didn't even look like they missed a beat without him. And so, you know, playing that strong, that physically, with the depth that they've got across the board, it is a uh, – it's a challenge, and, and they've got the recipe. David Shaw is a tremendous coach. I think he's second to none, not only in the conference. I think he's second to none in the country. I think he's a very good coach. So a lot of credit, a lot of kudos to uh, them and what they've built. He's 31-5 and five since he started at Stanford. Uh, pretty doggone good record. Uh, took the baton from Harbaugh and didn't look back. Won the Rose Bowl last year, 2014, over Wisconsin. So I think they've done a lot of good things. They've recruited well. They've gotten big, strong, physical guys, and they execute. They play disciplined football, hit you in the mouth, and they keep swinging. And as I've said, they've really become kind of the big, bad bully <laughs> from, from the north. And uh, they get it done. So I think that, you know, back to your question about matchups. Yeah, I think SC definitely, uh, the Trojans definitely match up better with them. They run a more uh, similar style to what SC does, what they see in practice, what they see in scrimmages. Uh, USC clearly has become more physical under Coach Orgeron. They're definitely more physical than they were last year. I think the last time that I really saw uh, the physicality we've talked about on the show earlier this season was really 2011. The second half of that season is when they caught fire. You know, the second half of that Notre Dame game in 2011 and then, you know, going forward played a very physical brand of football that I think was lacking a lot last year, had a lack of continuity, lack of toughness, lack of a commitment to running the football. And I think we've gotten back to that. We've seen, you know, us run the ball effectively the last two weeks, total different animal that we're playing with, you know, this week against Stanford. But I, I do like the matchup. I think if we can, you know, again, find ways to get them off of the, uh, you know, off the field, uh, they control the ball 42 minutes of the 60 minutes in the uh, game against Oregon. So, you know, obviously uh, Oregon has never really complained about that because of their ability to score, how quickly they score and so often. But it did make a difference. I mean, they obviously went down 26 nothing in that game before they scored and uh, came all the way back to 26-20. But for three and a half quarters, they got physically manhandled and, and beat up. So I think that, uh, you know, again, the matchups are very, very uh, important. And I think USC does match up well. It's just going to be a question of, you know, our depth and our ability to get them off the field, out-execute, uh, win the special teams, because they've got a very – Ty Montgomery, and they've got a very good special teams uh, unit as well. And uh, strong defense, strong offense, and, and we're just going to be going toe-to-toe, and it's going to be a war. Um, I did a podcast earlier today with uh, Steve Mason, who does um, a lot of the pregame stuff for USC on the, the uh-huh. flagship station. 710, he has sure. this Venice Mace podcast. I've been on it a couple of times. And one of the, the topics that came up 
was uh, Marquis Lee and, and how he came back and he you know he's been injured he's fighting through injuries and still doing whatever he can to get on the field and help his team he only had one catch uh, against Cal but he was out there right. um, so walking too by the way uh, you know that's one of the things I'd like to make mention of uh, the receiving core uh, the last couple weeks especially last week against Cal getting downfield getting second blocks you know getting down there and making plays was tremendous. I know you want to ask me about Marquise Lee, and I'm open to it, but I just wanted to give those guys oh, yeah. a quick shout-out because it's been dramatic. You know, with the long gains, the difference between a long gain and a touchdown, which could ultimately, uh, you know, affect the outcome of a football game, has been been tremendous. So, quick shout-out to the receivers. No, yeah. they're, they're def- you, you can't have a good run game down the field like that without the receivers blocking. Yeah. So, it's yeah. certainly so been go helpful. ahead. But with as far as Lee goes, uh, we haven't seen him be the Marquise Lee of – 2012 the Bolitnikoff award winner uh-huh. you get the feeling do you, you think there's a chance that this could be kind of his breakout game where this is the one where he comes out and you got Aguilar going crazy on one side but maybe Lee goes crazy on the other side in this one could be you know could be I think he's healthier uh it sounds like he's as healthy as he's been all year I, I've maintained and I still do that you know, the football team's going to be a better team with balance. And it's easy to say now, but, you know, there was a, a very strong desire uh, by the football team in the first three, four games. We saw it with bubble screens. We saw it with quick passes. Uh, we saw a lack of rhythm with the offense, I think, largely in, because of that, uh, and a lack of toughness because, of, you know, a lack of a commitment to the running game that we've talked about. But I think, you know, when it becomes less about statistics, when it becomes less about getting a guy, uh, feeding the force feeding some sometimes uh, the guy at football, um, I think we're going to see more big plays. And we saw that, you know, obviously in the opening, uh, on the opening play, long ball to a uh, 71-yard touchdown pass to, to Marquise Lee against Oregon State. I think there are going to be one-on-one matchups, and I think that uh, we're going to have to take advantage of those. And we have guys in space that can compete. They do have very good safeties. They've got very good, strong, physical defensive backs. So there's going to be some great one-on-one matchups. But I've liked – Ryan, uh, for Marquise Lee more recently, even though he's had fewer catches against Oregon State and even on this one catch against Cal, there's a more aggressive style. There's a more uh, of an attack style that I'm seeing from Marquise Lee that had been missing, really. And, uh, you know, kind of, you know, earlier in the year, uh, felt like a lot of things were kind of coming to him. He was waiting for things to come to him. Now, you know, really reverting back to, you know, glimpses of how he was last year and even how he was as a true freshman, because that's really when I loved uh, Marquise Lee the most, you know, was when he made, came on burst onto the scene in the second half of his true freshman year, caught 73 balls, owned Oregon up there in Eugene, had a breakout game, you know, returning uh, kickoffs and and uh, long balls, but just attacking defenders, attacking defenses. And so I think that, uh, you know, he is poised for, for a great opportunity to, to, to make some big plays in this game. But, uh, you know, again, it's just going to come down for, for Coach Helton to really recognize what the defense is doing, take what the defense gives them, and attack and exploit it. You know, Cody Kessler's got to make good decisions. I think you've got to get the tight ends into the, into the football game. You've got to continue to get the uh, backs uh, balls out of the backfield, get them, uh, get them the football, you know, throwing and running. And, uh, you know, with a guy like Aguilar on the other side, Darius Rogers is a big, tall, physical guy, you know, getting him the football in space, uh, some good things can happen as well. So it's, uh, you know, I think a good opportunity for him, but I don't look, uh, it could be a breakout game, but it, but it may not. And if he catches five balls, you know, four, five, six, seven balls, I think he's caught eight, the most he's had this season. Um, 
you know, I, I, I would be surprised because I've heard David Shaw talk about him, you know, and he's compared him to really, uh, this is going back to last year as the Blitnikoff winner, uh, the best talent at receiver that he's seen since Randy Moss. So, you know, to be in that elite of a class, uh, David Shaw is not going to leave him one-on-one, or, the, you know, obviously the defensive coordinator, but he'll be overseeing it, is not going to leave him one-on-one if we make some big plays. And they're not going to just leave him out in space to uh, – you know, to expose him if he's getting into a groove. So I don't look for him to, you know, have double-digit catches, but I, uh, you know, I would expect to see him play very, very well and and hopefully, uh, you know, really hold on to the football, you know, and just attack attack a defense like uh, like he does when he's at his best. All right, Shane. One last thing, we're going to put you on the spot. Well, how do you think this game turns out? What do you, who do you think is going to win? What's going to happen? What are we going to see on Saturday? Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, again, I mean, we've already kind of broken it down. I mean, it's going to be a very physical football game. USC is going to have to find ways to score every time they have an opportunity to. We can't leave points on the field. That means in the kicking game. It means, you know, getting close in the red zone, making big plays. It's going to be early, uh, interesting early on in the game to see our offensive line uh, really can play against this defensive front. Because if we can see some holes early on, if you take a look at the game, uh, the, the game plan that Utah had, they really kept Stanford off balance. They ran some swing passes. Uh, they ran some bubble screens. They got the ball downfield. Uh, Tyler Wilson's a pretty elusive, you know, obviously tall guy, but uh, kind of elusive speed, kind of getting out on the perimeter. I think you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to try to establish the run. We have to try to establish uh, the running game and hopefully get Trey Madden, you know, being 100%. A 220-pound back like him hitting the football in there, and then kind of mixing it up with uh, with Buck Allen and and with uh, Silas if he's healthy and ready to go. So I think that's what you've got to do. That's what we look to see them do if they can do that. Um, I think that we can uh, you know and keep their offense off the field. You know I think it's going to be a very tight football game, and um, I expect USC to play well under Coach O. I expect uh, you know in the big lights uh, under the big lights. I think this is going to be a obviously a primetime matchup in a big, big football game. So, you know, I expect to see them do that. You know, one thing I'd say, you know, obviously the second half of last year's game, the 21-14 game uh, that we lost up there, uh, that the Trojans lost up there in Palo Alto, the second half, uh, obviously that was Cyrus Hobby playing at at center uh, without Caleb Holmes. Uh, But, Barkley got lit up. I mean, and he didn't get lit up uh, casually and, you know, sacked here and there. I mean, he was viciously getting ragdolled and thrown around. I mean, you know, to the point where I was looking at that saying, wow, this guy's going to get hurt, you know. And so they've got to be able to protect the football. I think they will run a fair amount of shotgun uh, with Cody Kessler and work on, you know, him getting the ball out of his hand quickly and making good decisions. And and as I've said, I think, you know, he needs to be able to uh, touch the football and run. When there's a pocket that opens up, he's got to be more decisive, you know, step up in the pocket and, and take the ball and, and pick up three, four yards when he has the opportunity. So ultimately, um, <clears throat> Ryan, I think our defense is going to play well. And, uh, you know, I would say that uh, USC is going to shock, uh, shock the world. I think the line opened at three. It's moved to four and a half, so the money's moving away from SC. Um, but, I, I, you know, obviously I'd lead Carl and Gold, and I think SC is going to uh, win a tight game. Nice. Yeah, I, th- I thought they were going to win too. I mean, it just I just get a feeling that that's going to happen this weekend. It's, it's, it comes to me about making a play at the end of the game. Stanford's done a really good job at that and the wins that they've had over USC and uh, you know, even going back to that Andrew Luck game that was crazy, triple yep. overtime. But 
USC's got to do that. If they can, I think if they, I think it'll be tight no matter what. And I think if USC's able to step up and make that play at the end of the game, maybe it's Marquis Lee, Nelson Aguilar, somebody on defense, then I think they can win. Yeah, well, I'm with you. And I think, uh, you know, again, I think our defense, um, you know, with Josh Shaw, we talked about him being back over at corner. We saw his closing ability. We saw, you know, kind of how in those guys, how those guys play, Ryan. But it's having the best 11 guys on the field that give us the opportunity to win. And I think with that defense, with the offense, I think uh, the special teams matchup is going to be intriguing, especially, uh, you know, how, how strong we've looked the last couple of weeks. Uh, again, Soma Vanuku covering kicks. And, you know, Coach O talked about really them changing coverages for them. So I think all aspects of the game are going to be very even, very competitive. It's just, uh, you know, obviously we're going to have to be able to do it for four quarters. And uh, I, I know you're going to be fired up to see it. I will be too. And uh, we'll look forward to talking about it uh, next week. All right. Well, Shane, great stuff. You can follow him on Twitter, Shane Foley underscore USC, or go to ShaneFoley.com. Thanks again for coming on. Hey, Ryan, anytime. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Sounds good. And we'll be back in uh, just a minute here talking with former USC defensive end Lawrence Jackson. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We're back here on the Armchair Quarterback Podcast, joined by former USC defensive end and number one first-round draft pick, Lawrence Jackson. What's up, Lawrence? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. It's an interesting week here at USC with uh, obviously the big Stanford game coming up, game day. You guys had a lot of game days going at USC in your day, though, huh? Yeah, those, those games are you know pretty exciting. You know that it's a marquee matchup. Uh, especially when game day comes out, that means everybody's watching, and it it has some sort of impact on a national, on the national level in regards to rankings and things like that. So it should be a great environment. Did that change your approach at all? If you knew it was a big game and game day was going to be there at the Coliseum? No, not at all. Uh, you know, when when I was playing, you know, you knew about it and you saw it, but you you know, when you're in it, you don't really understand you know how important it is. Um, you know, we were good for a long time, so we were kind of used to it. You know, as a freshman, my first year starting was the year we won a national championship versus Oklahoma. So my perspective was a, a little jaded. Um, you know, I thought it was the norm because we were so successful. Certainly, it's uh, different times now, but, you know, Ed Orgeron's got this team uh, on a roll. I mean, I know we talked about it last week a little bit, but. Has he impressed you as a, as a head coach of USC during this time? Yeah, I think that Coach O brings a unique energy um, and a unique vibe to the team. And I think, you know, he embodies what a USC Trojan is. Um, and the guys see that and they feel that connection. And it sends their energy over the top and it, it's been showing up on the field. And um, this would be a big game, you know, for Coach O and for the guys um, on the team. This is... 
you know, in my opinion, the type of game that Coach O would want to play in this type of setting at this time of the year. So I'm looking forward to how ready the team is going to be. We uh, I was out of practice on Wednesday, and, and certainly talking to Coach Orgeron afterwards, he seemed pretty fired up for this one. The singular focus, obviously, on Stanford. But one of the – I think maybe something that fired him up a little bit, one of his former players, Sean Cody, was actually on the sidelines watching practice today. So I don't know. You remember Sean pretty well? Yeah, of course. I mean, Sean was a big reason um, why I came to SC when, <clears throat> when I was a senior. He, uh, I believe that's the year he was recovering from the torn ACL. So I'd go up to practice a lot, and uh, he was a guy that you know I would talk to. And the the persona around him was, you know, that Sean Cody. Like he was a legend, and to have a chance to talk to him, you know, pretty much all the time when he was recovering, you know, really helped me uh, become a better person and a player. And you know, pretty much solidified me going to SC. Yeah, it's uh, it was, it's fun seeing him again. He looks he looks good out there on the sideline. He had his SC hat on, and I don't know if he I'm not sure if he ended up addressing the team or what or why he was out there. But you know, good to good to see him again. Um, as far as Ed Orgeron's future, I, I've done a lot of radio over the past few days, and people are talking about you know the run he's making, and if USC is able to beat Stanford, is he a legitimate candidate, or will Pat Hayden? want to go outside uh, the program from your perspective uh, a lot of the talk is about you know there's a bunch of juniors on this team and redshirt sophomores third year guys that could potentially leave maybe they weren't that happy when Lane Kiffin was there but everyone seems to love Ed Orgeron and, and part of the appeal I guess of hiring him is that there's potentially you're going to keep some of those guys recruiting within the team uh, keep some of those guys on the team you know instead of leaving and going to the NFL uh, they might stick around. I just want to get your thoughts on the future for Ed Orgeron and what it would mean for the program. You know, having Ed um, come back as, uh, you know, traditional head coach would be huge. Um, you know, part of college football in this day and age is navigating the recruiting landscape and getting as much top talent as possible. And there's no better recruiter in the country than Ed and um you know, I think that going into this, I don't believe that they thought that they would look at Ed as a potential replacement for Kiffin. They just kind of wanted to get through the season. And with the, the way the kids have turned it around and they're kind of buying into his energy and, and what he preaches and all the changes that he's making, he's forcing them, you know, to look at him as a guy going forward. Now, I mean, there has to be some skepticism you know, on the part of, you know, Mr. Hayden in regards to this. Maybe they, you know, had previous ideas of, you know, I know I saw they hired a search firm and stuff like that, and they weren't expecting to find this gym and Coach Orgeron. But, you know, you have a guy who was here during that, you know, ultra-successful run. You have a guy who has previous head coaching experience um, in the SEC in a tough environment. And you have a guy who really understands the Southern California landscape and how to get players to come there. So I think that he's put himself in a good position to, you know, be a top candidate for the job, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, everyone talks about him being this great recruiter and everyone has their own ideas. You know, when you've, if you've interacted with him with all, you can understand his personality and why 
you know, he's so good with people. But what, as a, as a player, when you were being recruited, what what do you think made it special? What was good about Edward Jordan recruiting? What made him as a special recruiter? You know, first off, his voice. <laughs> as an LA guy, you don't get that Cajun raspiness um, too often. And uh, he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, you know, hey, son, you come to SC, put your hand down, Coliseum, third and 15, make a sack call fumble, the whole city of L.A. is going to go crazy. You know, when he says stuff like that to you, you know, as a 17, 18-year-old kid, you believe it. You know, and I'm, you know, I don't know how, what kind of vision he had for me individually, but he sold me, you know, what I needed, that I was a great player and that I could come and be a great contributor at a great program. And it worked out for me. But I think that if Coach O wasn't there, I probably wouldn't have gone to SC. Wow. Okay. So so high praise from someone that was <laughs> recruited by Ed Ordron. Um I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Buck Allen. Uh, we don't really recap the Cal game, but we want to look forward to Stanford. But before we do that, uh, Buck Allen, I think he's had six touchdowns over the past couple of games. It was kind of a, an afterthought, uh, you know, before. He did, really seemed like he was in the doghouse last year. Uh, different running back coach comes in, uh, now a new head coach. I mean, there's something's re-energized this guy. and we, He's a guy we saw in practice a lot that always seemed to break big runs. It was kind of like an Allen Bradford situation where he was always doing great things in practice, but and we thought he was good, but then you'd really not see him all that much. Uh, when the games come around. And I wanted to get your thoughts on Buck Allen. If, and if there was anyone on the teams that you were around, a, a guy that maybe no one knew about and kind of came out of nowhere or someone that you thought could have, you know, had been a big contributor and, and never ended up doing that. It's something that would compare to like what, what you seen from Buck Allen. You know, there, there's always um, guys who coming in, you expect to have a monster impact. I think that for my, class in that time period, I think, you know, no disrespect to, to Whitney Lewis, but uh, for a lot of people, that was one of the bigger disappointments because I saw Whitney play in high school and knew he was a dominant player and saw the flashes of his dominance in practice at both receiver and running back. Um, and to not have that illustrious college career, um, you know, that caught everybody off guard, but, um, you know, there's, there's been a ton of guys who have kind of been caught in between coaches and, you know, fallen to the bottom of the depth chart and, you know, fought their way back and made something of themselves. And all you need is that one opportunity. And, you know, he showed up and he played well on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure how many people expected that, but it's a, a classic case of a guy you know, preparing like he's going to be, you know, a starter the whole year. And, you know, he gets out there and gets some good reps. And, you know, he went crazy. Um, there's tons of players that I remember playing with, um, you know, that, that had that opportunity. And they made the most out of it. And there's guys who, you know, let the opportunity slip um, from their fingertips and never were able to rebound. Yeah, it, it, I guess the interesting thing about this is that because of the lack of depth everywhere, if you were in the doghouse before, is if you're a scholarship player at a position, most likely you're going to get an opportunity for USC right now. I mean, it's so many spots this team is really thin. 
and you know it, it, a guy like Buck Allen, it's it's you couldn't ignore him. And then when he comes on the field and starts making plays like that and scoring all the touchdowns, uh, I mean, you could argue he's the best running back on the team now. So it's it's interesting what the 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 sanctions and the injuries have done to kind of open up opportunities for other guys. Right. You never know what you have in a player um, until he goes out there and performs. I, I can use myself at it as an example. Um, you know, I play Leo behind Frosty Rucker and um, Van Brown, my red shirt freshman year. And when BK, when BK left and some other things happened, um, you know, it left a void, but they, planned on moving Sean Cody there. And they had Manny Wright playing three techniques. And we all know the history Manny had coming in, um, you know, being this great player and things like that. And, you know, I got my start <laughs> because Manny had a stomach ache one day and, you know, wasn't practicing. And I got thrown into, you know, the first team group. And I took advantage of it. And it was something where they probably didn't think that I was ready for that or capable of handling that because they didn't look at me like that at that time. But when I got my shot, I was ready to roll. And I think that, you know, that's the same thing, you know, Buck, you know, he got his chance and he made the most out of it. And it's always great to see players capitalize. Um, Yeah, he certainly has. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, wanted to look, look at this Stanford game, obviously the, the biggest game on the schedule right now. It's a huge game, game days there. And, and all that stuff. What What are your initial thoughts looking at these two teams and, and how they match up? I mean, it's our team right now probably is not best suited to get in the high stakes shootout um, where they have to score every drive. I think that the characters being revealed with the last couple of games and how tough our guys really are, despite the circumstances uh, this year. But, um, you know, this is a, a strong group of kids that we have. And Stanford is bringing in, you know, a strong group of kids and, you know, discipline and technically sound. And it may not be a high-scoring game. It may be, you know, a Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, um, something like that, because they have a great offense line and we have a great defensive line. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be a challenge. But um, I expect one of the teams to pull away late in the game, and, you know, the game with at this caliber, it's going to come down to mistakes. Who can limit the mistakes? Who can create mistakes? And who can capitalize on mistakes? And once that story is told, the winner will be clear. On uh, Wednesday after practice, Orgeron said, basically whoever wins the, the war on the line uh, is going to win the game. Who can push around who? And it looks like, you know, you like this defensive line, I just I like the way they're playing. You know, they're playing with the the five man front. It looks like Leonard Williams' shoulders hurt, but it looks like he's going to play. I think he's a key to this. But it's such a thin line, uh, Lawrence. I mean, there's there's not a lot of you know. When Morgan Breslin went down, you got to see Jr. Tavai step up, and he's played really well. But he was listed as the backup for Breslin uh, and also Leonard Williams. And you know, he Leonard Williams Williams was available at Cal, so it was kind of you had to move. Uh, Tavai back inside and, and, and let some other, you know, they, they played a lot of nickel in that game. They didn't use the five defensive linemen. But in this game, it's going to be real physical. You have to use those linemen. It's real thin there, but the guys that, that are starting are all good. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a really stellar, you know, stacked with talent defensive line. Is it tough 
to be physical. You're going to have to be physical in a game like this when there's really not a lot of guys behind you. Is that, is that a tough thing to, to try to accomplish for a team? You know, at this point, I think that they're used to it. Um, it's not like they go into a situation where last week they had 12 guys and this week they only have eight. Um, that would be harder to adjust to. But in football, when you have changes like that or where you're afflicted by you know, scholarship reductions, you adjust and you understand that you you won't have the opportunity to come out all the time when you're ready to. But it also puts the onus on the guys that are backing them up, knowing that, hey, we know that we're thin. We know that the coaches need to be able to trust us to go out there and give these guys a break, and that's where role players are, you know, pivotal. Um, but with this great defensive line and with them growing the way that they're growing, you know, they can't go all day, but they can go all day if you know what I mean. You know, <laughs> you, you know they're they're in it for the long haul, um, but you never want that. So I think the guys can handle it. They're in great shape. Double A does a good job with those guys. Um, so I'm not worried about them in terms of being fan going up against a team like this. Uh, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see the, the battles there. Uh, I mean, Stanford's got a great front seven. I mean, as a former defensive lineman, you watch them play the, the front seven of Stanford. I mean, what, what really stands out to you from what those guys are able to do? Um, they're, you know, they're smart and they're disciplined and they work as a cohesive unit and uh, they're road graders, you know. Stanford has always been a team that's had, you know, one or two, you know, one or two players, a skill position here and there. But the, the other positions kind of had lesser talented guys because they were smarter and things like that. I think, um, you know, Harbaugh left behind a, a great blueprint on getting these tough guys who may not be flashy, but together can, you know, make this fist that can knock anybody out. And I think with, the type of guys they have and where they are in the program and having guys who, you know, are older and saw um, some of the older guys before them and what they went through and the toughness they had to have, um, it doesn't surprise me what they're doing and what they're capable of doing. I saw the tie change when they beat us that one year. They came in really confident. They were talking a lot of jazz and so you guys are still Stanford, and sure enough, they beat us. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been it's not been pleasant recent history, I guess you could say. With the you know, four in a row, it's unprecedented. USC doesn't lose four in a row to Stanford, but it's happened now. Uh, how do you see this one uh, shaping up, uh, Lawrence? Is is this going to be is USC going to end the streak here and and upset Stanford this weekend? You know, I think we have a chance. It's going to take um, one or two great plays that you can't coach or you can't account for. And I think that we're capable of doing that in a low-scoring game like this with the, the minds that they have on the defensive staff. I think that we can get you know one or two big turnovers, and that can be a game-changer and you know, have Aguilar do something on special teams like he's been doing. Um, you know, big plays are going to be the X factor for us. I'm sure we can hang with them, you know, in an all-out slugfest uh, where it's just blows back and forth. But 
I think the big plays is, is the key to this game for us and separating from opportunity to win and the disappointment of a loss. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It should be a, an interesting one. And if you want to follow uh, Lawrence on Twitter, go at Low Jackson, L-O Jackson 94. So at Low Jackson 94. For Lawrence Jackson on Twitter, he's a good follow. Definitely check that out there. And uh, I want to thank you again, Lawrence, for uh, coming on. Appreciate you coming on the show, getting a defensive perspective. We don't want to just talk to these quarterbacks all the time. There you go. You can't have the offensive side of the ball, man. It waters it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff. All right. Well, thanks again, Lawrence. We appreciate it. And uh, hope to see you again there around there soon. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, and everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Armchair Quarterback Podcast. We'll see you this weekend at the Coliseum and back on Monday for our regular show with the Peristyle Podcast. See you then.